If you can turn with me to the first letter of Peter, looking at the first chapter, looking at verses 13 to 16. Dealing with my hope in grace. My hope in grace. As we are turning there, as we are coming close to the end of this series, dealing with being set apart, how our God has called us to be holy, for he is holy. We had a time of fasting and prayer this past seven days to consecrate ourselves before the Lord, believing in that if God's people who are called by his name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, Seek his face and pray. He says, then he will hear from heaven and he will forgive their sins and he will heal the land. The disciples one time could not do a mighty work of the Lord after he came down from the mountain. They asked why they could not do so. And Jesus said to them, some things only come through prayer and fasting. We've seen many times within the Bible that when they were seeking an answer from God or from direction, then they had nothing else to do. They fasted and prayed. There's a, a power of unity when we can sacrifice and cut ourselves out from the world to make sure we're open and in tune to hear a word from God. We need to make sure that we have a secret place, a place that we can go to, a private place that we can spend some long time with God. Because the only way for us to be more like him is to spend time more with him. First Peter, reading from the New Living Translation, starting at verse 13. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, hold on, please. All right, well, let us roll together and hopefully we arrive to the same conclusion. The word of God says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am Holy. Looking back at verse 14, if you can help me say that one more time. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living. Satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Another translation says that of your ignorance. So how we might say now how you were just acting ignorant. But we have been enlightened by the living hope of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, when you look clearly what he says, how we should live, we should gird ourselves or prepare ourselves. And we should be sober-minded, exercising self-control and look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you. 
through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. New American Standard says it. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you can help me announce this to your neighbor, my hope in grace. See, the letter is, 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 is exhorting and, and, and pointing out a principle to us that how we need to be looking forward with a hope. We live in a society now, a city now that desperately needs to hear about hope. You've had children walking around thinking that this must be all that there is to life. They are going out with mommy and daddy to the liquor store at wee hours of the night. They are in a house where they don't know who mommy or who daddy is. They just know everybody by their first name. They're in a house that nobody pushes them to go to get an education because mommy and daddy did not get an education. So they won't push the child to get an education. Even if the child was pushed to go and get an education, that child is looked differently when they bring home their education back home. We live in a society where people think that all I can make it to be is just to live in the neighborhood that I am in. People's society, their environment becomes their reality. And the sad sad point is sometimes we become captive of our own reality. If all you know is a broken house, then that's your reality. And then you might accept or assume other people live in the same condition that you're in. It's a sad state when you think that your life is normal when it can be better. Tell somebody there's hope. See, the hope we have is this, that there is a Jesus that is coming back. It says here that our hope in our, is in the grace of seeing Jesus on the day of redemption. Another way to interpret that or to understand that is mean that my hope is based on the knowing that one day Jesus is going to make everything all right. We need to understand that this earth, this life I have right now, though it may be good, is not the best that there is. Everything that we have here is going to be replaced. You know, when you replace something, oftentimes the intent is to get something better. Am I right about it? If, if you want to change something, you want to get it back. Well, you have a fly in your soup. You don't want that same soup back, do you? I've seen some people say, no, I'll hold this bowl. Bring me back a new bowl. Because I want something new. I want something fresh. I want something to replace what was here that was tainted, that was broken. Our bodies, our world, this earth is broken. And so we have to realize that there's going to be a time of reckoning. The time of redemption is coming. It says that when Jesus Christ is revealed, so think clearly. Exercise. Another way is pointing out, it says to gird your loins, literally, but, but to gird, your, gird the loins of your mind does not make sense. But yet that, that phrase back then was a, a preparation for them to say, be ready. So when somebody said gird your loins, that meant be ready. That means that you was ready to, to jump off. That means you was ready to go and rock and roll. That means you was ready to roll. That's what they meant then at that time. It says gird your loins. So gird your mind. Prepare your mind to be ready, to be sober. Peter used that same word sober, saying that we need to be sober, being away for our enemy. 
is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Do we understand that if God is truth, the enemy is a liar and the truth is not in him? And so if he is truth, we have to hold on to the truth and be aware of the tricks and the schemes of the enemy. The deception of the enemy is that whatever feels good to the flesh must be good for the flesh. That's the deception of the enemy, that if it feels good, it must be good. Look what he told Adam and Eve in the garden. Surely you won't die if you touch. She touched, she didn't die. But yet, he had deception all upon her, so if I can touch it, I should be able to eat it. God, God, one writer put it like this. God told him, you can have everything in this, but there's one no tree. You got all these yes trees, but there's one no tree. And out of all the yes trees, you went to the one no tree. Because it's in us that we look at things that look appeasing to us. And if it does not seem it's going to hurt us as immediately as we touch it, we go ahead and indulge in it. But look what the writer is saying, that we should no longer act in our ears, act as if we do not know the knowledge or the wisdom that God has given us. But we should now walk as obedient children. Y'all see that in the text. That we no longer go after the former lust of this world because this world has nothing to offer. Tell your neighbor, this world has nothing to offer. So the old way of your life that was led by the flesh will only lead you towards destruction. This world is destined to destruction. The flesh is unable to please God. Why is that? Because the flesh is at war with God. So how can you have war with somebody but yet have peace? How can you have war with someone but yet they're going to be your friends? It does not work that way. That's why God is telling us to be dead to the flesh and alive in the spirit. Because if we're alive in the spirit, we're acting as obedient children. Y'all see that in the text. And acting as obedient children means is I'm acting like my daddy. What does God desire most? To see us in him. He wants to see his reflection when he looks at us. He wants to see his son when he looks at us. How how do I I know that? Because in Genesis 1, he says, let us make man after our own image. How do I know he wanted me to be like him? What did Jesus do? Jesus came in the form of man. He did not come down as a deer. Did not come down as a cute panda bear. He came down as man because he desires to save man. And he made us after his own image. So he came down in humility in the flesh to crucify the flesh so that we will be free from the slave of the flesh to be alive in the spirit. And so that's why I say as obedient children, you need to be living holy in what? All things. It's right there in the text. Am I right about it? It says, all things be holy in everything in every way of your life. 
Because if I am if I am obedient to my father, then whenever I go out, I represent him. Parents tell that to their children, right? Don't embarrass my name. Don't bring shame to my name because the name that you have is going to be my name next to it. If Samuel Dern gets locked up, it's going to say Samuel Dern. Everybody's going to say, that's Francis Dern's son. Say, saying, saying, what happened to him? His father must be going through some stuff. And think about when God's children are acting up, people say, aren't you supposed to be a child of God? What's wrong with you? See, we need to reflect our father in everything we do. That means when we're greeting one another, talking with one another, that we are showing love and compassion to one another. The Philippians writer put it down that we should, if Christ is in us, that we should lift up one another. We should encourage one another. We should look for others' uh, greatness above ourselves. That we should not be selfish. We should not be prideful. But yet we should be humble. That we should have the same mind as Christ. During our time of revival, we was walking through in the letter of Ephesians, how we need to take off the old man and put on the new man, how we got to put off falsehood and, and start living and speaking in truth. How we are to call to live a life that's unity and in peace by forgiving one another, looking after one another. But it's kind of hard to do that when you don't know the Father. See, when you know the Father, you know love. And when you know the Father and you love the Father, then you know what the Father demands. The Father demands that you love Him, you love His people, and you love His will. Because if you love the Father, when you love somebody, you want to do what pleases them. When you love somebody, you want to do anything and everything that will make them better. And God has called us to love Him. And by loving Him, it makes it easier for me to love somebody else. Because when I'm loving him, I'm loving him because of how great his love is towards me. Look, look, look how we are made holy. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because my hope is in his grace. My hope is this. Hope is my expectancy and believing of God to deliver me. And my hope is in his grace. What is his grace? I'm glad you asked that question. His grace is someone say his unmerited favor. His grace is a free gift. Grace cannot be earned. That's what wages are. For the wages of sin is death. You owe, you, you work for that. You receive that. You got that. You got paid that. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You see, you, you work for your wage, which is your sin, but God gave you a gift. See, left by yourself, you was working your way to hell. But by his grace, he gave you a new direction. You see, that's why we ought to point out to somebody, there's a hope out there. Yes, yes, your life all by yourself is destined 
for destruction. You deserve that. You earned that. But somebody came and took the debt for you. And paid the price. Somebody else realized that because of all your work, you, de- you deserve to die. But he says, no, I will die for you. That was grace. Grace was that you don't deserve it, but I'll give it to you. Grace is not done with a pious attitude as look as if I am doing you a favor. Grace is that I want to freely give this to you with no strings attached. When God gave his grace to us, check this out, check this out, look at it very closely. When he saved you, you were still a sinner. So, so tell me, what did you have to offer? But he freely gave you. We, we, do, we do those gift exchanges, right? You only get a gift if you, if you bring another gift to exchange it. But God says, you have nothing to offer me, but I got everything. I, I, I have riches that cannot be tapped. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. This earth and the fullness thereof is mine. The silver, the gold, the diamonds, everything is mine. You've got nothing to give me, but i got everything to give you. And so because of this great grace that has been bestowed upon us. We need to reply, we'd respond to the to the command of what? Of being holy. Because if we're holy, we're acting as obedient children. And as obedient children, we act like our father. And as obedient children to the father, we bring honor to the father. The proverb talks about how obedient children bring glory to their parents. How much more do we bring glory to our God when we obey his commands? How much more do people are are magnified when we show them how we love one another, how we forgive and show, show mercy to one another, how we are acting just and righteous towards one another and cast this we realize that it's not us that's doing it, but by the grace of God. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, as messed up I am, God's grace was not made ineffective. <laughs> what does that say? That say that as messed up as Samuel Thomas during, I can't talk about you, but I know me. As messed up as I am, as, as many times I acted a fool, as many times I should have been left dead on the street, as many times God could have led me to get over to my enemies, but by his grace, I've been delivered. Can I somebody else testify now and realize that it wasn't anything that I have done? I messed up all by myself. I still got holes and gaps in my life, but His grace keeps on covering me. <laughs> it keeps on covering me. And since I'm covered by His grace, I have no choice but to hold on to His hand. Just like a child holds on to their parents. And you know when a child goes to someplace new and they see new people they don't know, they hold on to mommy or daddy's hands or to their leg. They just want to be close to their mommy or their daddy. No, as long as I'm close enough, I feel that no pain, no suffering is going to come to me. As long as I stay close to those who love me and who care for me, who provide for me, I know they'll provide my protection. I know they'll provide my safety. I just get peace being close to my mommy and my daddy. I love you, grandma. I love your grandpa, uncle, juju, and all the 
them good people, but sometimes I just get better peace when I'm in the arms of my loving mother and my father. Can somebody else testify how you just get peace just being in his presence, just holding on to his word, just holding on to his truth? So just be obedient, children. It's amazing how you got peace in the middle of the storm. It's amazing how things just seem to just roll off you. They don't no longer hit you because you can say, come on, enemy, hit me with your best shot because great is he that's with me than he that is in the world. My God's a present helper in the time of trouble. So all I got to do is just hold on to his hand. And as I'm holding on to his hand, I start picking up some of my father's habits. I, I see how my dad greets people, how he greets them with respect and love and compassion. Uh, I start realizing that too, how I start re- meeting people with compassion and love. Catch this, uh, sometimes my dad meets people I don't know, but by him knowing them, I got favor. Because they know my daddy, they'd be a blessing to me. It's been some times that my dad was working on the school board. Y'all know that, right? And by him working on the school board, people know my name. And there was sometimes I'd have to pay to get into some basketball games because I just used his school board pad. What I'm trying to tell you here is that when you know the Father and you stay close to the Father, all the blessings that the Father has, He'll share with His children. Because what the Father has is for His children. Aren't you glad that God wants you to have everything that He has? Think about it for a moment. The earth and the world are His. But catch this, He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth so that we can forever be His people and He forever be our God. And He knows when He gives us this new earth and this new heaven, we're going to have some new clothes. Woo! And so as we're waiting for this day of redemption, for all this newness to come into our lives, we got time to practice right now. Of picking up our father's habits by being holy in everything that we do. Because we see here that we are not holy because of what we have done, but we are holy because of what he has done. We are holy because Jesus' precious blood was shed on the cross. Y'all, y'all, if y'all keep on reading in the text, it says that what, 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 what was sacrificed was not temporal. It was not something like silver and gold, but it was the precious blood of the Lamb who was spotless, had no sin. And we see here that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. 
And because of that, that's why we are being washed and renewed by the blood so that we can say, Lord, I am holy. I am set apart. I am sacred unto you because, Lord, I want my speech to glorify you. I want my work to glorify you. I want my household to glorify you. I want my neighborhood to glorify you. I want my school to glorify you. I want my city board to glorify you. I want my police department to glorify you. Y'all see where I'm getting at? I want my city to glorify you. And look what he's going to start with. He's going to start with us. Will you be obedient? Will you call on his name? Will you walk by faith and not by sight? Will you hold on to God's unchanging hand? Will you stand on Christ, the solid rock? Will you just trust? Because when you trust in him, it's amazing how things start changing. Then your mind will be ready. Y'all see that at the beginning, right? To gird your mind. Remember I said with this, to gird the robes, to gird their lawns. What they were saying it was to ready your mind. It means they prepare themselves to go. And what the problem was that their robe was, was flowing. And if they had to work, they would gird their robes. So that it would be tightly fixed upon them so it would not restrict their movement. But it would release them to move. See, there's things in our lives, though they may be beneficial to us, we need to tighten them up. So they won't hinder us from doing what we need to do. Y'all catch that? Things that we may have a lot, but sometimes we need to tighten them up. So they will not restrict us, but it will release us to do what he wants us to do. So sobering up my mind means sometimes I got to remove the junk that's been clouding up my mind so it can be awake and see the truth of what the truth is. So that my mind will be set on Christ, the higher calling. Am I talking to somebody here? So that my mind will not be seeking for the earth, but seeking Christ and his righteousness. And all these other things uh, will be added on. When I have my eyes looked upon the hills from where my help cometh, I'll be able to wait upon the Lord who will renew my strength. The Bible says he will keep you in perfect peace. Those who keep their mind stayed on him. So let your mind be transformed. Do not be conformed into this world. But be refreshed. Be renewed so that you can walk in his newness, in his holiness, because each time you step with the Lord, he's changing your mind. He's preparing your mind so that you can have a heart that's willing to serve him. Tell your neighbors after your heart. I'm going to close with this. He's after your heart. And catch this. God has never given up on his children. There's, the psalmist says that if I go to the mountaintop, you are there. If I go to the depths of the sea, where can I go from the present Lord? He's basically saying there's no place I can go from out your presence. Jeremiah says the Lord searches your heart because your heart is the seat of, of, of all things. 
But God searches our hearts. The psalmist says, Lord, may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable on thy side. But before he gets there, he says, Lord, reveal to me my secret faults so that they will not master over me. You see, God wants your heart because you can fool other people trying to act like you're holy. But see, acting holy is not holiness. Holiness comes from the inside out. Holiness comes from the inside out. Jesus says, from out of a man's heart, that is what he speaks. Your treasure is where your heart is. You can find out where your heart is by finding out where do you spend majority of your time. And probably where you spend the majority of your time is where you spend the majority of your money. And probably where you spend the majority of your money and the majority of your time is why the majority of the time you upset and depressed and stressed out. Because you've given things that will give you nothing back. Well, God just said, just come unto me. All you are heavy, heavy burden. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's after your heart. David says that, Lord, I will give you sacrifices, but that's not what you desire. But you desire a broken and a contrite heart. That's the sacrifice, Lord, you will not despise. Holiness demands us to come humbly before the Lord. Holiness requires that we repent daily before the Lord. Holiness requires that we live dead to the flesh and the ignorance, and no longer the ignorance that, as, as we used to live in it. But we live redeeming each day, living to glorify his name, living to honor one another by showing love and compassion. This world can be transformed by God's people. But when God's people seek to be his witness, we seek to be his children. That's why it says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am. Holy. Holiness is what we're called to be. Holiness is what we should want. So we should want the Lord to take our heart, transform it, take our mind, reform it, take our will, and conform it to his will. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we come. We come, Lord, designed holiness.